The show you love with even more local, local news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show on this fine Tuesday afternoon in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we take a look at the myriad of issues that affect you and me. Again, right here in California's Central Valley, our mission here to be live and local, to make sure that your voice is heard on those issues. And we thank you so much for the way that you do participate. If it weren't for you, we wouldn't have much of a show. So we are very, very thankful to you as well as to iHeartMedia for allowing us this uh, two-hour time to be together to discuss these topics Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. So many things to cover. Let me lead with this right now. I uh, because I'm I'm coming at this as as a pastor, uh, talk show host, and citizen. Uh, there's three hats of of the many that I wear, and I'd like to get your thoughts on it as well. I want to turn uh, clock back a couple days to to Sunday, and you I'm sure you have seen it has been all over much of the media. Abortion rights activists invaded a church uh, in the Cathedral of Our Lady of the Angels on, uh, on Sunday. And they came in apparently undercover and then quickly changed into, at least the women did, into costumes related to the TV program The Handmaid's Tale. I have to be very honest, I've never seen The Handmaid's Tale. I have a vague idea of what it's about. Never seen it. But anyway, they wore red robes and white hats, uh, white head coverings. And uh, so anyway, they, they disrupted the worship service at the Cathedral of Our Lady of the Angels. And I guess my question to you is, Does the First Amendment protect people disrupting a church worship service? Now let's go. Let's go very quickly here to to the uh, Constitution of the United States and the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. All right. So Congress is not going to make any law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, the 10th Amendment also applies to this whole issue. It's being ignored, I think, on purpose by the, uh, by the demonstrators, which you probably have noticed. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectfully, or respectively, rather, or to the people. All right, so the Supreme Court decision, which is not made yet, Uh, The leak is out there, of course, with Samuel Alito's opinion. 
but the decision itself has not been made yet, and yet so many people are going bananas, that's a theological term, and uh, doing very uh, strange things. So my question to you is, do, do you see a conflict of rights there in terms of these protesters invading a worship service? To me, that constitutes uh, abridging the free exercise of religion. And you say, well, they're engaging in free speech. Well, that's fine. Normally, engaging in free speech, to my understanding, in the spirit of the First Amendment, is about uh, petitioning uh, the government for redress of grievances. The church is not the government. And so I think that this is a constitutional issue, and the rights and I don't know anything about that particular congregation, uh, et cetera, but I, I think in general these types of protests are unconstitutional. What do you think? 209-551-3483. Now, apparently the congregants were, as I watched that, appeared to have basically uh, escorted the protesters outside. Now, if they're outside... On the sidewalk, fine. That's not a problem. But to me, to invade the sanctity of a worship service, I don't care what you're talking about, but to do a protest in the midst of a the sanctity of a worship service, to disrupt it the way they did, to me is a disturbance of the peace, number one. And two, I really think it's uh, it's a violation of the Constitution in, in terms of the spirit of the First Amendment. Again, happy to take your opinion on that, 209-551-3483. Talking with a, a friend this morning about how our culture is very, very um, adamant at the moment about normalizing what's not normal. It is not normal to disrespect others in terms of their exercise of religion, for example. Now, here's another thing that I thought was very strange today. And again, I I think it violates the, the rights of a business to conduct its business peacefully. You know the actor uh, James Cromwell? I uh, I think one of his greatest roles... I, I, he's had a lot of roles, but I, I think I first became aware of him in, uh, in the movie Babe. You remember that? About the pig? That was a great... I, entertaining movie. I, I liked it a lot. James Quar- Cromwell was the farmer in, in Babe. Anyway, uh, apparently he in the past couple of days, super glued himself to the counter of a New York City Starbucks. And he was protesting Starbucks' policy of charging more for plant-based milk. Well, what if it costs more to to produce plant-based milk than it does to produce cow-based milk? And it's the business's business what they want to charge. I mean, if the, <coughs> excuse me, if the, 
if if they're way off base and and their fee based structure is way out of line, I think the market will take care of it. That's one of the things I think we're losing in our society today is allowing the market to do its thing, the free market. But but no, he James Carr apparently super glued himself and had it looked like he had to have someone come and help unstick him. Uh, why you would do that, I I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so he he stuck himself to the Starbucks counter to protest the fees they were charging for plant based milk. Now here uh, here are his comments from a video that was taken on scene. When will you stop charging us more for vegan milk? When will you stop raking in huge profits while customers, animals, and the environment suffer? When will you stop penalizing people for their ethnicity or their morals? The senseless of charge hurts animals. All right, how how does their fee structure for plant-based milk affect their attitude towards ethnicities. Can you help me with that one? I, I, I'm going back to the conversation that I had with a friend this morning. Things are going bonkers, and they really are. Uh, the, the logic is uh, has been thrown out the window. And uh, I, I think that, that people who have too much money, maybe too much time on their hands and have no solid worldview engage in abnormal acts like this because they're not doing anything else productive. Now, there are some businesses that I think charge outrageous rates for things. I love salmon. There's a certain chain that I go to locally that where I think the salmon is a good price, and I buy my salmon there. There are other chains, uh, grocery store chains that I go to, and uh, they have what I think are outrageous salmon prices. But I don't go and glue myself, super glue myself to their salmon counter in order to protest it. I, I may, I never have, but I may talk to, if I feel that strongly, I'll talk to the manager about it. How come you charge so much for this? I, I, I can't afford that. Or it's just outside of what my budget limits are. But th- this type of um, demonstration where really we're trampling on the rights of others, I think has, uh, has, has indicated a swing of the pendulum far, far, far to the left. And I'm, I'm thinking that, that we need to recenter. Recenter with with values like the golden rule to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Uh, to to have uh, a, a worldview that we can stand on that has healthy bases to it. I think we've lost our way <clears throat> as a culture. We we've we've lost our way in terms of decency, in terms of re of respecting others. And there was this other, I don't know if you saw it, this, this other woman that was demonstrating outside of a, a church. She, she was wearing kind of a, a skimpy outfit stuffed with towels or something to, to mimic a pregnancy. And then she had baby dolls, it looked like, and she was uh, 
banging them on the ground and ripping at them, saying, I'm killing the baby, I'm killing the baby. My friends, this is not normal. This is not healthy. But our the problem is our culture is tolerating it. How should we counteract this? What do you think? 209-551-3483. We'll talk about that as the Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show, on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Tuesday afternoon in California's Central Valley. Thank you so much for joining us. been talking about uh, a, a ticklish issue, I think, where we have to balance the rights of one group versus the rights of another. And I use the example of uh, this church, the Cathedral of Our Lady of the Angels, where on Sunday some uh, abortion rights activists showed up in handmaid's tale costumes, a la the television show apparently, and disturbed the worship service. Let, let me ask you this, let me ask it this way. What would you do if you were a parishioner? And you're sitting there and you're in the middle of a worship service and these people come in and, and start yelling and, and putting on costumes and creating a disturbance. What would you do? What, what would you want the pastor or the priest or the rabbi, whomever, what would you want the religious leader to do? I think the congregation handled this well. It appeared to be mostly the congregation that uh, took charge here. What would you do if you were in a worship service and you had this kind of disruption? Our number here, 209-551-3483. I've had disruptions while preaching over the years. Occasionally people have said my preaching is disruptive, but we'll put that aside for a moment. And for example, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, I was guest um, a guest in the pulpit of a dear friend of mine in, in Modesto's West Side, and and uh, a woman who was mentally ill, uh, obviously, uh, because of her actions, uh, began to yell and and accuse me of being a racist, and just would not stop. And so I. Basically, he took time to ask the congregation to pray for her, and I went down and sat beside her, and I said, uh, I uh, understand you're upset, and we're having a worship service here. Would you mind stepping outside, and after it's done, I'll I'll talk to you. Well, she yelled a few expletives and and left and waited outside. So I went outside, and we had a very unproductive conversation because she is incapable of, given her illness, of having a logical conversation. But my point is, I think it's important under these circumstances to not respond in kind. What do I mean? If uh, the protesters are being very disruptive, typically they are well-trained. They are well-trained on how to push the limit and cause the opposition to do something that is actionable on their part. Uh, If you reach out and touch them, it's battery. Uh, If you uh, stand in their way, it's uh, it's battery. 
uh, if you notice in, in some of the protests that occurred over the weekend, how very skilled a lot of these protesters were at dealing with the police department. <clears throat> they would flail their arms in front of the officers, not hitting them, just flail them in front of the officers being threatening. There was a day when that would be handled differently. Now, typically, there's a, there's a retreat. As, as I was watching the officers, there's a, a retreat. And basically, <clears throat> the way we're handling these situations now is that the disruptive protesters have the upper hand. I don't think that should be. Now, I also understand that law enforcement has a very difficult situation here because they're then tasked with responding in a way that they can then defend in front of the public, in front of special interest groups, in front of the people who are carrying their cameras and their iPhones and whatever it might be. But I think the the main thing is we have to think of ways to counter the, and, and this requires advanced planning. And I, I encourage this for all houses of worship uh, as a fellow pastor to have a plan ready. If there's a disruption, if there's an act of violence in your congregation, how are you going to respond? Do you have a plan? Uh, in some of the larger congregations in town, I know there are plans. I know there are people there who uh, are trained professionally to respond to these types of things, and they're, uh, they're ready to go. But it, w- without a plan, these protesters, having been well-trained, know exactly what they need to do and how they need to do it to try to egg you on uh, for an over-the-top response that they can later uh, sue you over or at least get you on the evening news. Let's uh, let's go to the phones very quickly, 209-551-3483. We have about a minute left in this segment. Eden from Modesto, what are your thoughts? Uh, my brother, Mike, how are you today? Doing well, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, just I want to mention about the, the situation in uh, Maryland and uh, Virginia and Washington, D.C., about the demonstration close to the, the owner, the home of the super, the Supreme Court judge, which is, I think, it's, it's the first time it's happened like this. They threat the nine judge publicly, and you think we are now running to the civil world in America, uh, God bless America, but uh, there's, there's no police, there's no FBI, there's no nothing there to protect. I heard the news yesterday, they uh, built the fence around the Supreme Court, which is six feet, I think, but it's not enough for this people which they want to destroy the law, which is the first time this is, because I follow the news every day, the social media, the Twitter. uh, But that's mean God bless America with that because they are Antifa there, they are BLM there, and everybody... and they're well trained. Eden, I, I want to answer your question, and I've got to run here for a moment. I'll be right back uh, because I, I do want to answer your question. We'll be back. The Mike Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Thank you for joining us this Tuesday afternoon. And I, I want to make sure that we have the opportunity uh, to work through an, a, an answer to a question uh, that was posed by Eden who uh, from Modesto, who's online with us. Eden, you had asked about whether or not we may be headed for a civil war. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Okay. Here's, uh, let me process this with you a little bit. Uh, I would not say we're headed for a civil war. I think we're headed for a counter-revolution, a counter-revolution, a cultural counter-revolution. We are being uh, swayed by lawlessness right now, and lawlessness, to me, has its roots in evil. And evil always overplays its hand. Uh, Evil always, ultimately, overplays its hand. I won't go into the, the my theological reasons for that, but I I, I think I can I can prove that point. And so, because evil is now overplaying its hand, we are seeing what people are really about. These people, these demonstrators, we're seeing what they're really about. Uh, they they don't care about women. They're there to destroy the culture. They're involved in a revolution that is about destroying what is so they can replace it with what they want it to be. Well, I believe that is not the majority of the consciousness of our society, Eden. I believe that this is now reaching a boiling point that the hand is being so overplayed that uh, most Americans who have a shred of decency and understand good versus evil are now going to stand up, and there will be a counter-revolution against lawlessness. Uh, Will there be um, vigilantism? I don't think we'll get to that point. I really don't, uh, because that has its own uh, sense of evil as well. However, I think there will be pushbacks. And so I think, I believe, that we may be in store for a pretty healthy counter-revolution by people who have a solid worldview, who believe in decency, who abide by the golden rule, who respect others, even others that may not share their own opinions. So, Eden, I, I, I guess I could sum it up by saying I, I look at the glass half full, and I believe that coming up in November, of course, we're having primaries here on June 7th, so that's a prelude to it, but the, but the uh, general election in November, I think will be a tipping point. I think we'll learn a lot about whether I may, may be right or wrong about this in, in November. And certainly uh, in 2024, the presidential elections, the major election there, I think we'll, uh, we'll see it. So that that's my long answer to your very uh, short question. Does that help any? Thank you very much. Because uh, I know that the, they targeted it. November 7, because mid-election, and they targeted us as a Republican, as a voter, as, 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 and then 2024, Trump, he will be back. He will win. That's why the Democratic, they create every bad thing for America. Uh, God bless America, and God bless everybody in America. 
Eden, thanks so much for your call. You posed a great question. I uh, always appreciate you calling in. Uh, Eden from Modesto, again, uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, for sharing your your thoughts with us. I, uh, I, I, I warn against, and again, I, I, am, I don't tell you what to think or what to do. You're all intelligent, and my job is to present ideas to you, competing ideas sometimes, to allow the marketplace of ideas to, to, to bubble around in your heads so that you then use your own logic and your own intelligence to arrive at what you feel is the right answer in terms of how you respond to these things. And so... My sense is that all is not lost. I know there are those who, who just feel like throwing in the towel. Don't blame you. In fact, I'm not going to try to argue out of that because there are days when I want to throw up my hands and say, wow, is, is there an island I can go live on somewhere with some like-minded people where we can respect each other and have a rule of law? Uh, I have those moments, and I know some of you have longer moments of that. But I think we're in we're in a, a time right now again where and 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 I do believe that these incidences like uh, the the hands made made tail costume people invading a church or 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 what about uh, the folks that uh, threw the Molotov cocktail right in the in the pro life uh, building. Uh, what about that? Well, that's evil. It's evil. And that was in Madison, Wisconsin. By the way, uh, there's a, a journalist uh, with a news organization called Bellingcat. I'm not familiar with it. It says an anonymous source, and that's always tenuous, but the claim is an anonymous source sent him a statement from a group called Jane's Revenge. The group claims to have started the fire at the Wisconsin Family Action Office over the weekend and warns of the possibility of future attacks if places that don't support abortion don't disband. This is intimidation. It's intimidation through deception. And it's uh, <laughs> this whole bullying thing. I am not a big fan of of teaching our kids to to cower under bullying and go run to someone for help. I, I'm all for preparing children as I prepared our children. If you're bullied, you stand up. You stand up for what's right, and you appropriately push back. And you see, usually evil doesn't like being pushed back at. Now, there's a horrible grammatical construction, but you get the idea of what I'm saying. So I, I think a lot of this really is, uh, a, the, the, the source is, uh, is evil intent. You know, when we don't respect others, even if they don't share our ideas, we, we can still respect them in terms of saying, well, that's, that's what you believe. And we can still have uh, counter-arguments without beating each other up. Well, lawlessness has now crept into our culture, and that is reflective of the evil that is infiltrating uh, the American culture through what I call wokeism. And uh, the whole woke thing, I, I hate to use that word, but I think people understand to a certain degree what we're talking about when, when we uh, refer to that. 
Uh, to me, it's an evil intent that is anti-God. And when you have a culture within a culture that is anti-God, it's evil. And I, when we see lawlessness, when we see all the violence, good grief, have you checked headlines lately? They're, they're just full of uh, acts of violence. And, and this is evil. These are not good people that just decided to be bad one day. We've created this. We've created, we have sown the seeds of lawlessness because of our policies, our public policies. And so it comes back to the elected leaders that we elect, and uh, they're to a large degree, I think their unwillingness to listen to us and uh, to bend to special interest groups, the ones that yell the loudest. Look recently at the acts of violence that we've seen over the past couple of weeks. This Los Angeles, Los Angeles mother confessed to killing her three young children, and it may be that her accomplice, the 16-year-old, was another teenage son of hers. Angela Don Flores, 38 years old. What mother murders her three young children, ages uh, three kids between the ages of 8 and 12? What mother does that? No one in their right mind does that. And a, a sibling in his right mind doesn't participate in that. Here's a 70-year-old Long Beach man died in a hospital two, uh, two weeks after being strangled by his own daughter. What daughter strangles her 74-year-old Long Beach man, uh, Long Beach uh, father? She was 30 years old. And then, we, then these capers going on at, at Taco Bell. What's why do people? What what's with beating up on Taco Bell? A couple of the, the man accused of shooting another driver in a Taco Bell drive-through in Santa Rosa. Brad James uh, James Adam, twenty-seven of Santa Rosa, shot someone at twelve thirty a.m. on Wednesday, May four. Gotten into an argument with another another driver behind him in the line at Taco Bell drive-through, brandished a gun and shot him. And then there's a woman, we, lest we think this is just a male thing, a woman wielding a large knife, climbed through a Taco Bell drive-through window apparently and stole cash in North Carolina. The woman was in her forties, and she dr- climbed through the drive-through window swinging a knife took the cash drawer and an undisclosed uh, amount of money. And this guy that shot two people in Colorado who were renting a car at Enterprise, I believe it was, yeah, it was uh, a a couple there. And then an engaged couple shot to death while closing a, a Papa John's restaurant in Indiana. And a woman attacks a sonic car hop in Oklahoma because she was having to wait too long for food. This is not normal, my friends. It, it's evil. And so we have to, we have to plan. We, we have to understand this is the way our society is now and prepare ourselves to have situational awareness, to watch what's going on, and then have a plan to deal with it. Let's go back to the phones very quickly. 209-551-3483. Nick from Modesto. What are your thoughts today, Nick? You know, I agree with you 100% on what you're saying. I would just like to toss in a couple of other events 
uh, of lawlessness that have, that were evil that uh, took place in our country. One would be in Portland, and one would be in, on January 6th in Washington, D.C. I, I would agree. I, I would agree with you. Uh, you know, pe- people, I mean, e- even if you want to protest what's going on, uh, you, you, you don't break through doors of a building that are secured and knowing that you are not supposed to be in there. Uh, and so, you know, I, I don't, uh, Nick, I, I don't think the responses of the government in terms of uh, the way they've handled those prosecutions was appropriate. However, uh, I, I don't approve of uh, people storming the Capitol. I, I, you know, and, and uh, as you look at a lot of the riots that occurred uh, in past summers, Nick, it's, it's, it's lawlessness. And, and so you, you see it from it many different sides, not just one side. No, you're right. And especially in Portland, uh, when, you, you know, the, the people took to the streets and and uh, torched the federal buildings. That those should be punished uh, for for the laws that they broke. Yeah, and uh, so I we think see it in our society everywhere. It's it's, it's and pervasive. I think you're right. It's it's evil. It's a Absolutely. Nick, your, your cell phone's cutting out a little bit, but uh, thank you for the call. You bring up uh, some very good points there. Uh, Nick reminding us that, uh, you know, there's there's evil on all sides and inappropriate lawlessness acts, and it, it's permeating our society. The question is, how do we counteract it? 209-551-3483. We'll get back to the phones and your comments in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Radio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Tuesday afternoon, 209-551-3483. We're talking about the lawlessness in our culture, how we deal with it. Let's go to Modesto. Ken, welcome to the show. What are your thoughts today, Ken? Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. Hey, uh, listen, you know what's funny is uh, there's laws on the books right now that that say that anybody who tries to intimidate or threaten a federal judge or any judge sitting on the bench is a federal crime. And it is the same. There is also a a, a law statute statute on the books that says any disruption of a church service or any blockage of the way in or out of a church is also a violation of civil rights punishable by federal law. Why is it Merrick Garland getting up off his butt and doing something about this? Thank you, Ken. That is the question. And uh, Ken Ken also was uh, referring uh, in the first part to uh, 18 U.S.C. 1507, United States Code uh, 18, uh, subsection 1507. And Ken, you're right. And we talked about this uh, yesterday, I think, that... um, it, it, it says that whoever uh, pickets or parades in or near a building housing a court of the United States in or near a building or residence occupied or a residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer 
or with such intent uses any sound truck or similar device or resorts to any demonstration, any other demonstration in or near any such building or residence shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than one year or both. That is the burning question, Ken, that a lot of us are asking. Why isn't Merrick Garland taking action? And I have to come back to the fact that he's part of an administration. And my guess is that the administration doesn't want these things prosecuted. That's the only answer I can come up with, unless, Ken, you you have another theory. Uh, Well, actually speaking, I don't have any other idea. Uh, The statutes you quoted, I had forgotten the numbers, but you're absolutely right about those. And I'll tell you the uh, honest-to-God truth, uh, these, uh, the local police should be getting more involved, especially where uh, the violations of the church statutes go. Uh, you know, I understand that a lot of churches want to say, hey, love thy neighbors, they, you know, love thyself. Those two most important uh, commandments in the, in the whole Bible. Love God, love your neighbor. Those are the two most important uh, quotes in the Bible or uh, commandments in the Bible. And the problem is sometimes you can't turn the other cheek, you know, and I understand where these churches don't want, and a lot of churches don't want to call the police because, you know, they don't want the uh, PR nightmare involved, but they're going to have to start standing up and doing something about this. Uh, these violations of uh worship uh are so egregious it's not even i mean it's just it's enough to make anybody's blood boil absolutely uh ken great points thanks for the call and and thanks for your citation of those two uh those two federal laws and and again what what ken brings up excellent call by the way what he brings up too is the fact that when we're dealing with federal law when we're dealing with violations of uh, the United States Code of Federal Law, there's usually, I forget the percentage, what is it, 90%, I believe, uh, success rate in terms of prosecutions in in federal cases. How come we're not prosecuting these people uh, federally? And and again, I have to come back to the assumption that the current administration doesn't want its attorney general to prosecute these things. I mean, I think Merrick Garland came in, I think, with some support from both sides of the aisle, a lot of support from one side, some support from the Republican side as well. Uh, but I think he has proven to be uh, just another political hack, if I can put it that way. Doesn't impress me at all. He's not taking charge. He's not addressing the issues that we need to uh, address. And and the same for uh, Mr. Mayorkas with uh, <laughs> Department of Homeland Security. Uh, we're, we're dealing with all of these little ancillary pet issues. We're not dealing with the big issues at the border. There's a refusal, and it has to be, it has to be at the direction of the administration. A, a refusal to deal with lawlessness, with breaking of the law. Now, if they don't like the law, fine, change the law. And they're so good at that, at attempting to do it anyway. But if you don't like the law, change it. 
but the law as it exists needs to be enforced. And uh, Ken, just uh, another thought, piggybacking on, on what you talked about. Uh, as, as a pastor, I understand uh, the need to respond and to turn the other cheek. There are appropriate uh, exercises of that. But we also have to remember that even the Apostle Paul took the church in Corinth and in other places to task for doing things that were counterproductive for uh, operating in ways that were against uh, what what he set up so uh, in terms of his mentoring so that there would be order in worship services. So even the Apostle Paul pushed back at disorder in worship services. All right, coming up, we'll talk about another theory I have about why leadership is causing a lot of this. That'll be in five minutes after news, weather, and traffic here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. from 3 till 5 on air and online power talk 1360 kfiv here's your host mike douglas and welcome back to the mike douglas show as we head into hour number two on this fine tuesday afternoon in california's central valley mike douglas here your personal concierge for conversation as we wrestle down a lot of the hot issues of the day and i so much appreciate your input and uh, again our our commitment here is to remain live and local so your voice is heard on a lot of these issues we've been talking about the lawlessness that is pervasive in our culture today and how to react to it uh why uh, for example, in, in the case uh, of our, our Attorney General Merrick Garland, why he's not enforcing the federal law when it comes to the fact that there is federal law. And we, we cited it, uh, 18 U.S.C., what was it, 1507, that uh, prohibits uh, standing outside the residences of justices, uh, witnesses, jurors, or court officers uh, to uh, create a disturbance. What? Why isn't Merrick Garland sending uh, federal agents there to uh, to enforce the law? And I'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Got a theory or two. Let's go back to the phones, though. 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. And Mike from Manteca. Mike, what's up today? Hi, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Hey, I was just kind of thinking about why the uh, government officials would not prosecute crime. And I believe, of course, it serves some political purpose. I don't know exactly what that is. It's very complicated. But I was listening to a talk show the other day on TV. I think it was Fox or something, something of that nature. And they were uh, somebody said a comment that I thought was kind of amusing and clever in a way is that the crime is not on their doorstep. Mm. And the, the, if, if the crime is on their doorstep, then, of course, you can look back on, on, say, January 6th. And, of course, the prosecution was fierce in that case. But it, because it's, uh, it's not on their doorstep, then it serves a political purpose. Uh, the comment that was made on the show the other day that I thought was kind of clever was that uh, 
there, there's two words that they're used to fight crime of this sort or prosecute crime of this court sort uh, kind of crime is uh, gated communities. Those are the two words that uh, that that high-ranking government officials would. Uh, that's their plan for uh, fighting crime. Don't let it get to my doorstep. Surround myself with the protection, and if it doesn't come to my doorstep, then I'll just go to my gated community, and everything will be all right, and we'll see how it plays out and serves a political purpose. That is uh, kind of what I was. Yeah, that that's a great observation, uh, Mike, and I think that's very true. So many, uh, so many people of influence in our culture live in bubbles. You know what I mean? They 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 live in a bubble where they're protected and or. They don't have to deal with stepping over needles and human feces uh, in in the public byways. Uh, they don't have to deal with uh, what's the, really the in-your-face issues that face a lot of Americans on a regular basis because they're insulated from it in the hallowed halls of Sacramento and the hallowed halls of Washington, D.C. So uh, I like that. I like that uh, phrase, crime is not on their doorstep. And essentially, they're in, in gated communities, and I think that can be uh, uh, metaphorical as uh, as well as in reality. Mike, great great observation. Thanks for the call. Appreciate that. Mike from Antica, okay. bringing some uh, some wisdom here. I like that a lot. Uh, if if crime is not on their doorstep, in terms of those who would have the power to uh, enforce the law. Uh, or to uh, at, at least uh, direct those to enforce the law whose job it is, like Merrick Garland, to enforce the law. Well, it's not affecting them personally and so politically. I think you're right, Mike. They're, they're taking uh, the coward's, um, really, the, the, the coward's path in terms of remaining insulated and ignoring what really affects the rest of us. Uh, affects you and me. And I, I think that applies to other things like uh, businesses. And it applies to even big business. Uh, I am not uh, favorable to the attitude that all big business is evil and that profit is evil. It's not. Now, what you do with that profit can be good or not good or evil, uh, but profit itself is not evil. And people will say, but Mike, isn't the the biblical principle that uh, money is the root of all evil? No, that's a misquote. The biblical principle is the love, the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money, not money itself. In fact, if you look back in in Scripture, there was a lot of teaching about money, uh, extensive teaching about how to manage resources, how to be good stewards of what you have. And I think in general, in our culture right now, we are not good stewards of the blessings that we have in the United States of America. We are not good stewards of it. We abuse it in the hallowed halls of our legislature and uh, in in terms of many of our courtrooms as well. The, The law... The rule of law must be preserved if we are to survive as a culture. And uh, 
And so my, again, Mike uh, from Manteca, thanks, uh, thanks for for your call. I I, I love that. Uh, Sean uh, sends a message in. Here's a quote he has from Mark Twain: "Citizenship is what makes a republic. Monarchies can get along without it. What keeps a republic on its legs is good citizenship." Ah, uh, yes. And he's got another quote from. One of my favorite thinkers, I, this man, I believe, is is blessed with synapses that fire in ways that mine never will. Uh, Victor Davis Hanson. Many of you are familiar with him from the uh, the Hoover Institution and such. Victor Davis Hanson, a very wise man, a deep thinker. And what I love about a lot of Victor Davis Hanson's Remarks, and he's he's on uh, Fox a lot. Uh, he's quoted by a lot of uh, other uh, websites and and such. What I love about Victor Davis Hanson is he is he is not abusive in his rhetoric. He's very matter of fact, and I, I love the way that he articulates his points. A uh, very unoffensive. He speaks truth, but in a non-offensive way. And uh, I think we can all learn from people like Victor Davis Hanson. So Sean uh, writes in, he's, he's apparently reading The Dying Citizen, which is a, a book by uh, Hanson. Here's a quote that Sean sends us. America, then, is only as good as the citizens of any era who choose to preserve and to nourish it for one more generation. Republics are so often lost, not over centuries, but within a single decade. Wow. That, that is something worth memorializing on, uh, on a wall or on a plaque and keep it in front of us. Let me read it again. Think through this. America, then, is only as good as the citizens of any era who choose to preserve and to nourish it for one more generation. Republics are so often lost, not over centuries, but within a single decade. As you look at really some of the uh, anarchistic uh, rhetoric coming out from a lot of far-left voices in Congress, they're destructive. And they are the reason why this republic could be lost, not over centuries. Of course, not multiple centuries, not too many uh, we've been around, but within a single decade. That's even less than a single generation. That That's sobering, isn't it? Isn't it? And it, it, it brings to mind the need for the leadership of the states and the leadership of the federal government to get back to preserving the foundations upon which, upon which this country was built. And there's a lot of, the, you know, the 1619 Project is uh, has so many holes in it, it looks like Swiss cheese. Yeah, it's not that, this, uh, that the founders were perfect, they weren't. But they, they created, and I, I believe that God gave them some direction here. They, they came up with one of the finest governmental documents ever conceived. 
in the in the Declaration of Independence, in the Constitution, in the amendments to the Constitution. Uh, I really believe that we need to be married to the Constitution and defend it. If we let it go, as this quote says from Victor Davis Hanson, I believe that we could be done within a decade. I agree with him. Sean, thanks for that. That that excellent. Excellent thoughts. We'll get more of your thoughts and a couple of my observations about what leadership ought to be doing at the state level and in Washington, D.C. That's coming up in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We've been talking about lawlessness and uh, the disruption of the rule of law, the inability of our government apparently to enforce the law, especially on the federal level. Selective enforcement, they sure uh, support it, uh, it, prosecute federal law when it's to their advantage, but ignore it uh, apparently when it's not to their advantage. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Still want to get your comments on this, 209 551 Three four eight three. What about lawlessness in our culture? How do we uh, deal with it? Two zero nine five five one three four eight three. And uh, let's go up the road a piece to Oakdale. Uh, Donnie from Oakdale. What are your thoughts, Donnie? Hi, Mike. Um, I, I in all a lot of the things that you talk about, and I'm just kind of taking this as a whole. Um, my real belief that why our country. And a lot of the world, mostly our country, just speaking of our country, uh, the reason why we're having as many problems as that we're having, I I truly believe it's because they've totally taken God out of everything. I mean, they've just, you know, it's just gone. And and evil is is crept in to so many different... uh, avenues and it's still finding more avenues to meta, uh, metamorphosize itself <laughs> uh, and so basically that that's my thoughts on it I, I I truly believe that they because God's gone in this country in so many different ways um, not with everybody but just so many different things um, I, I truly believe that's why our country is where it is now yeah, Donnie, I, I think uh, I think you're right in many respects. Uh, you know, at, at one time, I think throughout our country there was let, let me call it a um, a cultural Christianity, so to speak. And uh, let me just deal with the Christian ethic here for a moment. A, a cultural Christianity, in other words, that's people would say, "Yeah, I'm that. That's what I am," whether they were really followers of Christ or not. Uh, and from the very beginning, uh, whether people deny it, choose to deny it or not, the Judeo-Christian uh, underpinnings of our the founding of our country were very clear. And it comes down to worldviews, Donnie. And if you have worldviews right. that are saying there is no God, then the person or the mob becomes the God. The world then begins to right. revolve around the mob or the person. And this kind of narcissistic yeah. thinking, Donnie, I think is, uh, you're right, is, is what's uh, permeating our culture. 
Uh, I don't believe it's beyond beyond retrieving. I think, let me put it this way, Donnie. I think we have to rebuild our culture. We have to rebuild it, not to go back the way it was, so to speak. But I think we have to think of new ways to rebuild it with common sense based upon... A, uh, a a Judeo-Christian worldview, whether or not you're a believer, let's find those areas where we can agree on that it's not right to kill your neighbor. You know, it's it's not right, right for right. for mothers like in L.A. to to murder her three children and to engage apparently her 16 year old in the process. Uh, so that that would be my read on it, Donnie. A, a good point. Uh, thank you for those thoughts. Appreciate that very much, oh, Donnie. Thank from you, Mike. From the cowboy capital of the world, right? Oakdale, California. Love Oakdale. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Donnie, thanks so much for the call. I appreciate, uh, appreciate that very much. The other thing I appreciate is, is just the, the wide geographic representation of uh, you as our, our listeners. We, we so much appreciate that. And uh, again, although we tend to focus on some things in Stanislaus County and Modesto, we also want to make sure that we address issues that are applicable to the complete footprint, so to speak, of our radio signal as well. And that's why we try to do uh, try to do both, and so much appreciate uh, those of you in in many of our surrounding counties. Uh, just uh, thank you for your uh, for your participation. Uh, we've been talking about lawlessness, and the question was brought up: Why aren't people like Merrick Garland, our Attorney General, why isn't he enforcing the federal law? that prohibits standing in front of a Supreme Court justice's residence and creating a disturbance in order to intimidate them and in order to sway their opinion. Why isn't he doing that? Why do you think he's not doing it? I'll I'll expound on that a little bit uh, in about 15 minutes or so. But before we do that, let's go back to the phones. 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. And uh, I'm going to go very quickly to the phones because we're uh, we're running short on time. Uh, John from Brentwood, uh, what are your thoughts today? John, welcome. Real quick, Mike, I don't think it has to do with drifting from God or religion or anything. I think people are good regardless of whether they follow religion or not. I think good people are just generally good. I think it's just the radicals have been emboldened by what the government has let people get away with over the last four or five years of riots and burning cities and taking over buildings, and everybody's emboldened to do what they want to do, and they feel there's not going to be a penalty to pay. Yeah, that deals with expectations and deterrence. And uh, I, I would agree with you that we have lowered our expectations of people. And we've removed, I think, John, we've removed a lot of deterrence, haven't we, in terms of concept? I mean, that's why we're seeing all these smash and grab things go on is uh, the folks who are doing that, you know, have their calculators with them sometimes. And, well, I'm I'm under nine hundred dollars, so I'm not going to get prosecuted. Here we go. So I think uh, I think I think you have some good points. Exactly. Like I said, it's people that are good are generally good. They're not going to go out and burn down buildings or smash and grab and stuff. It's the radical people that were considering it that now are emboldened because they feel that they can do it. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, John, thanks for the call. It's a, a good point there. I was talking to a law enforcement officer in Southern California recently, and uh, he said, you know, we don't, if there's a smash and grab, and I'm not going to say what department he's with, but he says, if there's a smash and grab, we don't hurry to get there. We don't hurry to get there. We'll go and take the report and we'll go through the motions to do a proper investigation, but we don't hurry there to catch the people. Why? Because we've been burned too many times. We're especially if the, if the suspects are people of color, we're immediately accused of being racists. And this is not worth throwing our careers away. Isn't that interesting? It's sad. And, and he, and he said, you know, people know how to bait us. They've been well-trained. They have their cameras out and they know exactly how far they can legally push us and try to get us to move outside what the so-called rules are so that we can be brought up on charges. And he said, nobody wants to throw away their careers or their retirements. And so a lot of the stuff is not dealt with anymore. You know, they'll, they'll respond to calls and and such but you know to do what we used to call proactive enforcement not so much anymore good call john thanks for that we'll be back on the mike douglas show shortly on power talk 1360 kfiv you're listening to the mike douglas show the voice of the valley power talk 1360 kfiv and welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Thanks for joining us today here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We've been talking about lawlessness and uh, why it is and how we should respond to it. Our number here, 209-551-3483. I want to get back to the phones and make sure we hear your voices on this. Uh, this today is uh, we're having a special on Oakdale today, one of my favorite cities. Uh, Kathleen from Oakdale, what are your thoughts about this today, Kathleen? Well, I think that the lawlessness is coming from uh, the human trafficking that's going on, and that human trafficking uh, goes on um, all throughout human history in the sense of uh, masters and subjects. Uh, the nobles are the masters over the people, and the people are the subjects. And I think there's a lot of that going on in the United States right now, and uh, that it creates a culture of what I call victims, because the the masters have to hold themselves as making the subjects their victims. And so they have to eat, and they feed each other, so the masters are more powerful, and they don't feed the subjects, so that the subjects are less powerful. It's the way they used to... Uh, make people superior and inferior before there was uh, the American Medical Association to medically make uh, people medically superior and medically inferior. They used to do it just with food. And so it creates this a, a general population that has cold blood, that li- literally has very low liver stores, if any liver stores. And um, so people are going around behaving in cold blood all the time, and it's it's not good, especially if there's a lack of decency, uh, like if the person is uh, into substance use or something like that, and, and, and they have cold blood, they don't have any liver stores. I mean, they are not uh, themselves there um, uh, in an altered state, but uh, I just, um, I forgot what, what my point was on <laughs> talking about it, but... Um, well, let, so it's, let me... a, it's a lack of dress the loin, is what I was going to say, and, and that 
and that a lack of dress alone, and that we used to, as society, have alcohol. We used to. Um, that's why we had alcohol. That's one of the reasons why, despite all the the drawbacks on alcohol, um, the the bad reasons uh, that. Um, I mean, the reasons for not serving alcohol and not having alcohol are, are valid, but we do it anyway, and it's because it really does hold off the cold blood until you can get some uh, meal in meal in you, and um, so that's what they how they treat cold blood, um, and so, so we're not even doing that anymore. Just alcohol is 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 a substance, and they and you have to be clean. Of substance use, you have to be clean of substance use, and and uh, and you can't eat food because you can't afford it. And inflation's happening, and um, yeah, a lot a, a lot of just, a lot of factors creeping in. Uh, Kathleen, I have to say, you you always challenge me. Uh, <laughs> you uh, you always challenge me to think through uh, some of these uh, ideas that you bring forward, and we appreciate you calling in. Thank you, Kathleen. Let me let me respond and and address one of the issues you were talking about, and that is, uh, and by the way, I hope I'm not a cold blooded uh, talk show host uh, or pastor. I, I hope I'm a, a good uh, red blooded, hot blooded uh, American male pastor, whatever. Hope I'm not cold blooded like a, like that mailbox snake on our, on our property. But I do want to talk about one of the issues that you brought up, Kathleen, which, which is a serious issue and it is often overlooked in our culture. And that is human trafficking. Uh, one of the greatest evils that we have, and you may say, oh, we don't have that here. Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, yes, we do. In fact, there's a, a wonderful organization uh, that was co-founded, and uh, I believe she's still the CEO of it, uh, Debbie Johnson, uh, of a wonderful nonprofit ministry called Without Permission. And they do such good work. She's been honored by the FBI for her work in, in just raising the awareness, not only of the public, but of law enforcement about human trafficking. That, to me, is one of the most dastardly uh, manifestations of evil that there is. And it is not just girls, but uh, boys as well that are that are trafficked. And we see that coming over the border as well. And again, Merrick Garland, Mr. Attorney General of the United States of America, what are you doing about that? Anything? Are you addressing that? It's so frustrating when we see a lot of this lawlessness running rampant, and it's like our leaders are tone deaf. Really. And uh, Kathleen, thanks for bringing that up, for, for allowing me to comment about human trafficking. That is, uh, that is a scourge, a scourge upon our uh, society and, and something that we need to be aware of and, uh, and, and make sure that our, our policies and, and Stanislaus County, Modesto, our local law enforcement folks do a, do a good job in understanding it and, and watching for it. And uh, so anyway, thanks for bringing that up allowing me the opportunity to uh, to comment on it. I want to uh, talk about leadership's role in, in combating this descent into lawlessness that we seem to be engaged in in our culture right now in the United States of America, in California and in uh, Washington, D.C. as well. Uh, 
One of the responsibilities, I think, that governmental leaders have is to stand on what they believe to be true, but also do what they can to find common ground with even the other party and with people who support the other party to find some common ground where we can agree and acknowledge that we agree on some things. And that way we can start with those and find out how we can work together, at least on the things we agree on. But when you get some of this rhetoric going uh, that is so counterproductive, I think we're, we're being victimized by that. Let me give you a quick example. This is uh, Joe Biden from the 4th Be With You Day, May, May 4th. Remember this? What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political ex- organization that's existed in American history, in recent American history. Well, uh, great. Make America great again. We certainly don't want to do that. Here's Jen Psaki and uh, Jen Psaki's initial response to that as the White House uh, spokesperson. What has struck him is how extreme some of the policies and proposals are that a certain wing of the Republican Party that is taking up too much of the Republican Party are for. Yeah, there, there's uh, there's some good unifying talk. Here's Jen Psaki again wrapping it up. President thinks that's extreme. That is not what the American people care about or what they want. And so to him, adding a little ultra to it, give it a little extra pop. Can you have, what does she mean by that? Adding a little ultra to it for an extra pop? Ultra. Uh, Isn't there, there's some monster energy drink, right? Called ultra. And I think there's a female hygiene product named ultra. There's a lot of, what does she mean by giving it some ultra for an extra pop? So according to the White House, apparently American people don't care about Roe v. Wade or want it reversed. That's a blatant leap of logic because it's painting the entire American populace with one opinion. It's tired of the spin. All right, let's get back to the phones, 209-551-3483. We'll go uh, to one of our uh, great thinkers from the calling pool, Mike from LaGrange. Mike, what's on your mind today? Hey, good uh, good afternoon, everybody. Um, what's on my mind is pretty basic about what's happened to our society. Is um, One, the American people aren't stupid on what happened to the election at my age, and I'm in my 60s, that's the first time we've ever stopped an election in the middle of a presidential election and stopped the count and threw everybody out so we couldn't verify the actual vote. So the corruption is blatant and it's rampant, and they've done it to the state of California for the last 20 years. That's why Gavin Newsom does not have a care or worry in the world. The lawlessness starts at the top. We need to start putting these people in prison where they all belong. Why is Nancy Pelosi making $30 million a year as a congresswoman? I mean, there are some basic things. We have all, all of our politicians, and I'm talking both sides of the aisle, these guys coming home millionaires, millionaires, when they're supposed to be making two hundred, $300,000 a year, which they're extremely overpaid for that, believe me, because they don't work third of the time you and i work a full-time job these guys a full-time job to them is maybe 20 hours a week if if they're lucky and i don't care who they are and what all their whining they want to do none of them really have a full-time job and they're overpaid 
and they're corrupt, completely, unequivocally corrupt. And until we start putting these people in prison, these judges that are corrupt, the uh, all the politicians, our state, I've, our our state is like a third world country now, and our country is like a third world country. When they pulled this last election off, and what they've been doing the last twenty years in California, they don't fear we the people anymore. We have to fear them. I don't fear them, and they can all kiss my big white hiney because I'll tell you what, they need to fear us again, and that's what needs to happen. There's there's a time when we need to in the capital this 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 June I mean this uh, January sixth BS. I mean we all saw the videos of the of the Secret Service waving these people in to the people's house. I mean, uh, why aren't they prosecuting all the people in the BLM? The Black Lives Matter thing. It's just the corruption is deep and it and it's it's permeated our whole society. And until we start locking these jerks up and putting them in prison for long terms, not just a short term. Nancy Pelosi at her age, I don't care how much dementia she suffers from, needs to be locked up because she knows what she's doing. And we won't have anybody that has the cojones to lock these people up. Nobody wants to charge them. There's not a guy in the world that has a set of cojones that'll do it. And I'm just sick of our weak, weak people. And we need to take control of these people. And they don't fear us. That's the worst thing that could happen is they could they stole an election and we all know it. And they don't fear us. They don't care. They're going to try and do it again. They'll do it on the midterms. Trust me, they're not afraid of us. They want the mail-in ballots. They want everything to corrupt the system. And they don't give a dang what you and I think. What do you think, Mike? I think you're absolutely right. There is, and I think probably your word is not too strong. Uh, They don't fear us. Uh, There should be at least some sense of accountability that governmental elected officials and those who work in government are responsible and accountable to the people. Uh, it is not the other way around. But they don't. They don't fear us. No. No. And they don't. And, they don't. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and and, and you're right. No for it. Nobody. And by the way, one of, talking about Oakdale today. And I, Mike, I got to go here pretty quick. Thanks for the call. I appreciate that very much. Uh, Mike, Mike's getting me stirred up here a little bit, which is good. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I think one of the problems is that we don't have government officials who are willing to enforce the law across the board. It's selective enforcement, and I think it is criminal, Mike, when someone can. Uh, walk into Congress having a a limited amount of funds and then come out of Congress being a millionaire. Something's wrong there. And uh, who is it? We have a caller from Oakdale. Is it David? David from Oakdale? Uh, Calls in uh, fairly frequently and has well-researched how some of these governmental leaders ought to be prosecuted for their uh, corruption. But we aren't Seeing that, as uh, as Mike says, nobody has the cojones to do that. Uh, so uh, th- that's why these elections are, are so important. All right, I'll be back in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show, 209-551-3483, as we continue on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's more with the Voice of the Valley. Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and streamed on the iHeartRadio app. 
And thank you so much for joining us here uh, today on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Been talking about lawlessness and how we uh, combat that, and uh, some some good discussions on it. I think it starts at the top by accountability, and unfortunately, we have created a system that breeds the lack of accountability that breeds uh, the ability to live in a bubble in Sacramento and in Washington, D.C. And I'm not saying everyone, but in general, on both sides of the aisle, by the way, I'm not just picking on one party. Uh, Both sides of the aisle, I'm very frustrated about the abuse of power and the tone deafness to what the rest of us are really dealing with. And so I, I think it begins with the ballot box and electing local officials that, that you research, that you talk to, and that you put into office because you believe they're stand-up people, stand-up men and women who have a spine and who are righteous in, in terms of uh, their worldview. And I don't mean any one particular religion. I'm just saying that they're righteous. They believe in in uh, in in justice. I don't mean social justice. I don't mean an environmental justice. I mean injustice in terms of treating people with dignity and and fairness. And we don't see a lot of that anymore. We we just see this polarization of uh, political ideologies. And these ideologues get into office and they never leave. And they create havoc. And as we quoted Victor Davis Hanson uh, a couple of minutes ago, uh, that that can destroy a culture, that kind of abuse of power and of citizens letting go of the demands that government be accountable to them. When we let that go, we can. We can lose it all within uh, 10 years, uh, if not at least for a uh, a single uh, a single generation. Uh, so, uh, thank you for uh, for your thoughts on that. Uh, we had a caller call in to our assistant producer today, Brenda, asking about uh, the newspaper article in uh, the Benesto Bee about Save Mart uh, retirees. I, I will deal with that. Don't have quite enough time today to deal with it. But a lot of Save Mart retirees, those that uh, uh, were not in the union, were taken out of the union many years ago. Uh, the uh, benefits that they were told they would have have now been taken away because of um, the new uh, the new uh, organization that took over the Save Mart uh, company uh, corporation. Uh, it's a Los Angeles-based private company. It's an equity firm, really, Kingswood Capital Management. And uh, you know, there's always this commitment: we're well, we're going to come in and take care of everyone. Da 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 da. Well. Uh, at least many of these employees are saying, wait a minute, uh, we were we were part of the union, but then those positions were taken out of the union. And uh, they're saying company management at that time told them they'd always have the same health benefits as union employees. And so when they received a letter recently because of uh, the new administration coming and receiving a letter triggered a lot of emotions, uh, said one employee, in, including anger and disbelief. What a cruel, uncaring decision that has been made by people who do not have a clue about what Save Mart was all about. So here you have a, a family-owned business 
Uh, they're very, very successful and treated their employees apparently well. And apparently promises were made that now that Save Mart has been sold, promises that cannot be kept. And uh, this puts a lot of these retirees in a, in a bind, especially as we look at 8.5% inflation that will probably continue to rise. So when I'm talking, I'm going to come back here to this whole theme of, of being just, of, of righteousness. And when we look at our business dealings, we need to pe- deal with people in, in a just way, in, in a righteous way. Uh, employees as well as customers. And if this is, in fact, the the case that these employees were told some time ago that although they were being taken out of the union, that they would retain their some of their benefits in retirement, now they're being told no, that's egregious. Well, we'll talk more about that uh, tomorrow as well as other things you and I need to be concerned about here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. I'll see you tomorrow at 3. Trevor Carey coming up. See you tomorrow. Thank you.